Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. It's the balance. It's like if you ate spinach every day, only spinach for every meal. Spinach is supposed to be good for you. I don't know. To me, it's rabbit food. I don't eat lettuce. I don't eat anything green. That stuff grows in my yard. I mow it. Meat potato man right here. All the meat potato man said, Amen. They got deep real voices of you. Amen. Spinach is good for you. That's Popeye. But you can't eat spinach for every meal only every day. You have to eat other foods. Are y'all with me? Right? To have a balanced diet. You need the, the nutrients that are in the other foods. And I've seen people get out of whack spiritually. Let uh, me you you give you the, the extreme version. And if this shoe fits this morning, I want to help you. But I have encountered people that for them, living for Jesus is all about spiritual warfare. They're always in spiritual warfare. They're looking through the lens of spiritual warfare. Everything that happens, you have a flat tire. Oh, the devil caused that. We need to join hands, right? Put some oil on that tire, right? Get the anointing oil. Anoint that tire and cast the devil out of that tire. No, I just ran over and screw. But they get out of balance, see, and everything's warfare, and they're fine. They want to do prayer walks, and they want, to, they want to take on the devil, and they're rebuking every devil and taking authority over it. Now, listen, spiritual warfare is real, okay? You got to rebuke the devil. Sometimes you have to fight, but you cannot stay in a constant state of battle. Even, even warriors get leave. They have to take a break from the battle. So you can get out of whack, and so... The goal in life is to try to stay balanced in what you do for God so that you can connect. Because I've learned that if you, if you want to connect with God and engage God, there are just certain things that you, you want to do, you need to do. We did some of it this morning. If you want to connect with God and engage with God and walk with God and feel like, yes, I'm, 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 I'm generally covering the bases here. I feel good about my walk with the Lord, and I can't cover all the bases. But in Psalm 95, the psalmist outlines three vitally important things that are absolutely necessary to effectively and continually engage with God and connect with God and relate with God and feel like spiritually you're in tune with God. And so I want us to explore these three things. And my goal for you today is that not only you realize their importance, but y'all, that you practice them that you integrate them into your spiritual walk. They're very simple. And so let me just outline them for you. It's praise, it's worship, and it's obedient. Now that's about as fundamental as you can get. So I want to talk about these things and how we can incorporate them into our lives. So maybe a little preaching, teaching today. So let's start with praise. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, the psalmist says. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. 
Now, if you're in a quiet church, y'all ever been to a quiet church? If you're in a quiet church, they don't use this verse. Because if you practice this verse, it wouldn't be a quiet church anymore. I went to a Baptist church. Not all Baptist churches are quiet. This one was. And my friend was preaching. He made a good point. And I bumped Lee. I said, about like this. I said, oh, that's good preaching. It sounded like I yelled. It's quiet. Leah elbowed me and said, shh. I said, what? You're too loud. I said, I'm not too loud. I just said, that's good preaching. Shh. There's a time to be quiet, but there's a time to get loud. Praise. I'm, I'm brushing with a broad stroke here, okay? Don't nitpick me because I know worship can be celebratory. But praise overall is celebratory. It's about celebrating. It is fun. It's energetic. It's exciting. You'll smile. You'll move body parts. You'll get loud. Generally, the focus of praise is on, again, brushing broad strokes here. Generally, praise focuses on what God has done. What he's done in general, what he's done specifically for you. You see this in verses 3 through 5. It emphasizes God creating and sustaining all that exists. Have you ever praised someone for a job well done? Right? Okay. Has, has God done any jobs well? He has done all things well. Everything he created because nobody else was around to comment, he just complimented himself and said, and then God saw that everything he created was Good. Good job, me. When we praise him, we tell him what a great job he has done overall. What a great job he has done in our life. We commend him for his wonderful works. So how do you practice praise? Very very pragmatic message today, okay? How do you practice praise? Psalmist tells us. We did some of this this morning. Sing. Singing, music, okay? I love to praise. Now, some people are worshipers. They just love to worship. I'm going to get to that. I'll get to that in a minute. But me, I like praise. I want to jump up and down. I want, I want something upbeat and lively, and it's got some kick to it, or at least some soul to it. I love to celebrate. And so you sing. Every good party I've ever been to has music. Right? Every wedding you ever go to, which is a celebration, they get a DJ at the reception. And everybody's doing to the left, to the left, to the left, to the right, to now kick, now kick, now walk it by yourself. Right? We're getting it, doing the Cupid shuffle, the electric slide. Right? Wobble, baby. I can wobble. I wobbled one time at a wedding reception. I'm not kidding. There's music. There's excitement. There's laughter, right? Let me tell you something. God has been so good to you that it ought to make you smile. 
God has been so good to you that it ought to get you excited. God has done so much for you that when you think about it and we start seeing and you reflect on what the Lord has done and when the preacher's preaching and he says something that resonates with you about the goodness of God in your life, we, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong. I want to say we should, because the Bible says it, we should get a little loud and a little excited and a little joyful and a little energetic and we ought to praise the Lord as an individual and as a church. We Pentecostals have been pretty good at this because we believe in praising the Lord. And, I, and, so, and so we need to sing. And when you sing, you sing not just about God, but you sing to God. I love it. Mary Beth, I think, did it this morning, or Dawn one where, where you were just singing. I love that. It's one of my favorite things when I come to church is to listen to you sing. We talk about it on staff meeting on Monday mornings. Did you hear how the church just sang to the Lord? You know, God's pleased with that. You direct your words to the Lord. You mean what you say. And then, and then the second one, that's singing. Shouting. Shouting. Okay? So it's getting specific. Shouting. 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 When you shout, you get your voice loud. You with me? Now, I'm teaching you this morning, so just hang with me. You're going to get involved. We're going to be some audience participation here in just a minute. It is loudly proclaiming praise to God. It's raising your voice. I mean, Mom. Billy, get over here right now. Billy, get over here. Is that how you do it? Billy, get over here right now. Billy! Am I right? You shout. Come on, ladies. You're so sweet and tender, but then, boy, when those children act up, claws come out. Your back bows up. Come on. Most terrifying sound to a child is to hear that mother's voice change. So I'm talking about getting a little loud, getting a little sound. Now you can get out of hand, and we don't, you know, we don't believe in people yelling and shouting and doing things where, you know, where you're you're drawing attention to yourself. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm just talking about when you genuinely, authentically in the right place, at the right time, in the right kind, you just, you can, you just gotta, you just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See what I'm saying? You let it out. I mean, at a sporting event, it's a baseball game, and the runner scores. What do the people do? They stand up, they cheer. Or if you're like me, when I went to the Braves when they were playing the Dodgers and I had my Kirk Gibson jersey on and my Dodger hat, and a foul ball got hit to me, and I got it. And I did like this, and they put me on the Jumbotron, and 30,000 praise fans booed me. One of the greatest moments in my life. My 15 seconds of shame. Jaron went to get snacks, and he came back, and I said, Look what I got. He said, That's great. I said, They booed me. He said, That was you? He said, I can hear it all the way up there. When a football player scores a touchdown, the fans are joyful. If you have joy inside of you, you need to learn how to let it out. So everybody go, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. Come on, preacher. I just added that for me. Y'all need to help me sometimes when I'm preaching. Come on. Didn't that feel good? Yeah. 
Come on, somebody. Yeah! yeah. Woo! See, now you don't want to do that just to do it. But sometimes when something is said or done or your mind, your spirit, you just realize what the Lord has done. You need to just let it out and give God praise. And I'm not talking about your personality. I'm not talking about your church background. I've seen people whose personality is more subdued, people who came from a church background where there wasn't that kind of exclamation. But it isn't about those things. It's about just being you and being real and at the right time, at the right moment, giving God what is his. And that's praise. It's not yours. It's his. And give him praise. Singing, shouting. Another one is thanksgiving. And, and this is appropriate since thanksgiving is this week. Thanksgiving may seem more subdued than praise, but in the Hebrew, in the Bible, it's not. The Hebrew word is todah. It's derived from the Hebrew, Hebrew verb yada. The root of yada is yad, which is hand. So theologians tell us that thanksgiving involves lifting your hands in praise and gratitude. So on the week of Thanksgiving, let me just say to you, make sure every day, every week, not just on Sunday, that you are telling God how appreciative you are for his blessings. Don't be an ingrate. Don't be an ingrate. Whatever you do, every day of your life, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for my wife, my husband, my children, my family, my church. Thank you, Lord, for my crazy pastor. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, sanctifying me, filling me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for protecting me. And lift your hands. Matter of fact, right now, everybody just lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being good to me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all you've done for me. You feel that? See, is that liberating? Hallelujah. Matter of fact, now just do it on your own if you want to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You've been so good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And, and you know how when we clap our hands... You know how when we clap our hands sometimes and you hear me say, we need to shout to the Lord? Have you ever heard me say that? That's because in the Bible it says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So, so I'm just going to teach you that when we're clapping, you know, after a song, you need to put open your mouth and shout a little bit at the same time. Give that shout unto God. Hallelujah. How many feel the Lord in this house? Brother James, you fired up today, aren't you, buddy? God's been good to you. good. He's life. Yeah. He's life in me. Yes, he is. He brought me out. He brought you out. Sure did. Yep. The doctor said he can't do nothing else for him. I remember the day they called me, and we thought you were going on to glory. For those of you who are newer, see, he does it. He'll tell it. He'll tell it to everybody. He's going to tell it. If he has to tell it a thousand times, he'll tell it. They told it at Disney World. They need to hear it at Disney World. They need to hear about Jesus at Disney World. I tell it anywhere I go. 
I'll tell somebody how good God's been to me. See, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Brother Jay. See, that's what I'm talking about. This man doesn't mind getting up, walking down the aisles in his church, telling people and letting people know, letting God know how excited he is for what God's done for him. That man is a walking miracle. Had COVID and came off of the uh, respirator. Most people come off, they don't make it. But he made it. That's why he gives God praise. See, when you start thinking about what God's done for you, you'll give God praise. And you don't care what anybody thinks. Have you ever wondered why people can praise the Lord so freely? Because they don't care. When you're so self-conscious, it's okay. I'll quit in a minute. If I don't get through the sermon, I'm not worried about it today. I wanted to get to the Thanksgiving part. Honestly, I don't care really right now what part I get to. But if you are just so self-conscious, and you think everybody's looking at you all the time. They're not. Bet you can't watch a football game because every time they get in a huddle, you think they're talking about you. They're not. Now, we're laughing, but that can be a hindrance. For those who are self-conscious, you understand, don't you? You know, you're saying, Pastor, I know you're talking to me. I am, but I'm just telling you, when you become God conscious, forget about yourself. It's liberating. It has to stay in boundaries or you'll get fanatical. We won't tolerate that. I've had a few folks that got in here. This last year had some folks that got in here a little fanatical. Fanatical is not the same as passion. But I'd rather at least have some passion than nothing at all. And so you have to learn. So how do I get past this, Pastor? I'm so, so self-conscious. Stop thinking about you and start thinking about him. And when you start thinking about him, then you don't care what anybody thinks anymore. All you care about is what he thinks. And then you'll say, Hallelujah. thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You'll lift your hands in church. You'll praise the Lord. How many of you love to just be liberated? You don't have to raise your hand, but wouldn't you just be? You can be today. I think this message is for you. Be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Be free to do what God has called you to do in his holy word. Give him praise. Celebrate. Take your freedom. Because God has been so good to you, you want to be a grateful child of God. The second one is worship. Okay? Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hands. I told you that praise is celebratory. We celebrate. But worship, generally, is dedicatory. It's deep. It's reverent. Through worship, you clarify your complete dedication to God. And while worship is intense... It is offered with an attitude of awe and wonder at the awesomeness of God. Generally, worship focuses on who God is. Praise is more about what he has done. But worship is about who God is, especially to you. And the psalmist does this. He talks about who God is to me. He is our shepherd. We are the sheep. You know, he, he talks in these very personal terms. And here's a lesson. He is must become you are. 
That's where you get worship. You say, Pastor, I want to be a worshiper. I know people lift their hands and they worship. How can I be a worshiper? Move from he is to you are. In in the ontology of God, okay, that that God is this this being, because ontology, I've told you before, has to do with being, and I've told you this, that that God's name is I am, which is, is from the verb to be. See how it's ontological. And so when, when you conjugate the verb to be, I've told you this, but let me remind you again. It's I am, you are, he is, she is. So you've got to move from he is, because God, we know he said I am, and he's revealed himself to us. But then you, you may say in a song or in something you read, oh, you are X, Y, Z. But when it gets personal, you say, oh, but he is. Or you can flip it. He is this, this. But when you get it personal, you say, but God, to me, you are. See, the Bible tells me that he is a savior. But when I get in my worship time, I say, oh, God, you are my savior. I know the Bible says he is a healer. I am the God that healeth thee. See, I am the God that healeth thee. I am. See, I am. He is the healer. But, Lord, when you touch my body this week, you are my healer. He is a deliverer, but you are my deliverer. He is a way maker, but, God, I was in a situation one time. You made a way where there was no way. You are my way maker. You are the one who holds the keys of David and opens the doors that no man shuts and shuts the doors that no man opens. Are you with me this morning? And how do I worship, Pastor? Just find out what the I am has said about himself. Go from he is and personalize it to you are. And you can worship. You are holy. You are wonderful. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are good, for there's none good but one. You are glorious, majestic. You are all-knowing. You're always present. You're a very present help in the time of trouble. You are eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. You are unchanging. Behold, I'm the Lord. I am the Lord God. I change not. But you are you just, you just start talking about, God, you're the one who comes through for me. You're the one who provides for me. You're my shepherd. I shall not want. You're my strength. You're my peace. You're my help in the midnight hour. You are my comfort. You are my encouragement. You are my courage when I'm afraid. You are your. See, that's how you worship. Move from he is. How do you practice worship? It begins with your attitude. Verse 6 says, let us worship. In the Hebrew, it means let us bow, stoop in an act of reverence and submission to God. So you have to have the right attitude to worship. And then it moves to action. Let us bow down and kneel before the Lord. So there's an attitude and an action. And I put this point, and I think it's on the screen. You have to bow in your heart before you can bow on your knees. And if you come to church and you've got on your mind all the things that you're going to do later today or you're already thinking about, i got to get all the food and i got to go to the store and we got to start buying all the stuff for the meal Wednesday night or Thursday or Friday, whenever your family's getting you're sitting here contemplating about all the things that you have to do, your attitude is not right. Your heart is not right. Your, your mind and your heart are somewhere else while you're sitting in the presence God. That's why when you walk in this house, it should be easy to praise and it should be easy to worship because the pressure is on. The atmosphere is set. The context demands it. 
But most of all, his presence invites it. You have to fight all that to not worship him. And yet people do it. I've done it. Get your mind off somewhere else. So we have to come in with an attitude that says, he is the king and I am the subject. He is my father and I am the child. I'm in his presence. This is his time, his place, not mine. I'll deal with my stuff later. But right now, I'm in the presence of the king. And I'll give him an offering. And I get my attitude right, my heart right, and then it's easy to bow, give thanksgiving, whatever I need to do to lift him up. Um, some people go through the motions of worship. Jesus said, quoting Isaiah 29, 13, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me and they worship me in vain. But in John 4, Jesus says that true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, with transparency and sincerity. You know God already knows everything about you, right? You have nothing to hide from him. You may not want me to know it. You may not want the elders to know it, the other pastors to know it, but I got news for you, God already knows it. So when you come before him, drop the veneer. Take off the mask. Be authentic before him. Yeah, but he knows my failures. He knows my faults. He knows my weaknesses. <clears throat> he knows everything about you. But you're his child. Don't let any of those things stop you from being sincere. Just adore him from your heart. Keep it real. Listen to me. Can I give you some freedom today? You don't have to impress God. You ever met people that felt like they were trying to impress God or impress the people around them? That's why I make fun. I've done it for years, and I don't mean to make fun just to make fun, but I make fun because there needs to be transformation. When people will say, our dear and kind, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee this day for thy bountiful blessing. Nobody talks like that. Okay, this isn't 1692. It's Elizabethan English. We're not even English. We're Americans. We say y'all. Things are handed down to us. We, we learn things. So what I'm just saying to you today is don't try to impress God. Be real. Be real in your worship. Be real in your praise. Just talk to him. You can just talk to him. Men, just talk to him. Men, be praisers, be worshipers. Just talk to him. How do I talk to him? Talk to him like you're calling somebody about a fish you caught, a, a, a good score in golf you had, you know, something good that happened at work problem you saw. Just talk to him. Okay? You, you don't have to be an alpha male with God. He's the only alpha male. He's also the omega male. The alpha and the omega, get it? The beginning and it, never mind. I want to talk about this, obedience. So we need to have a balance of praise we need to learn how to celebrate. We need a balance of worship. We need to learn how to be dedicated and, and get in his presence and love on him and think about who he is to us and lift him up.
with, with reverence and awe and respect. You know, we've gotten too flippant with God, haven't we? I think, I think a lot of times we've gotten too flippant with God. There, there's, okay, so, so let, me, let me just, is this okay today? I'm just talking to you. Okay, so you know that balance I'm talking about? You've heard me talk, call God Papa God. And you, you know, people say, well, you should call God. You should say our dear and kind, most gracious heavenly father. Well, you say that, but I say Papa God. Because the spirit inside of me says you can cry Abba, Father, which is the most fundamental derivative of, of saying Dada, Mama in Aramaic. So I, I can call him Papa God and approach him with intimacy. But I don't get flippant with him because he's still a divine, almighty being who should have thrown me in hell but had grace on me and through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross forgave me of my sins and adopted me. So while I'm close, come on, give him praise. See, you're trying. Put a shout with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, whoo. There you go. But at the same time, I understand that he is God. You keep that balance. You ever seen a child who was too flippant with their parent and disrespectful? Can just talk to them any way they don't want to. Start doing this, don't you? And you see... You can be close and yet realize who he is. But he doesn't want you to be over here where you are so scared of him that you hold him in so much awe that you won't climb up in his lap and love on him. That's not what God wants at all. He said, I'm not a God that's afar off, but I'm a God that's near. I shall be their God and they shall be my people. And I shall be a father to them, and they will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord. And I'll, you know how close we're going to be? God says, I'm going to walk it with you, and I'm going to actually dwell inside of you. You can't get any closer than that. Obedience. Let's keep this simple. God is God. He's your creator and Lord. He's in control. He gets to tell you what to do. We all agree on point one. Does he get to tell you what to do? Okay, don't tell me. Yeah, he does tell you what to do. Two, he's told you what to do in his word. We in agreement? Three, you are required to listen to his word to what he says to you. We in agreement? If he gets to tell you what to do and he's talking, you got to. That's about half of you. You got to, you got to listen to him. But it's one thing to listen, and it's another thing to do what he says. So number four is you must choose to obey his word. Seven of you, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Psalmist reminds his readers of Israel's failures in the wilderness. God delivered them from Egyptian bondage, took them to Sinai, gave them his word. 
Israel had a law, had an anointed preacher, Moses, had the temple, but they were hardened in their hearts. They rebelled against God. They grieved his heart. They tried him. They tested him. They died in the wilderness, and they never made it to the promised land. What a scary warning to us. Can I preach pretty straight right here? God has saved you giving you his word, placed you in a great church with pastors who preach the truths of the Bible. Here's the scary part, yet you can harden your heart and choose to disobey God. you got to choose to obey him. I did a little research. I'm going to do this fast. Psychologists tell us that we obey authorities for all kinds of reasons. See if any of these resonate with you. They call it the status quo bias. The status quo bias, it's just ingrained in you. It's a result of tradition. You haven't really thought it through. You just do it because that's the way it's always been done. Two, there's loss aversion. You obey because if you don't obey, you're afraid that you'll lose something that's important to you. There is mere exposure effect. These are psychological terms. Mere exposure effect, which basically is everybody around you is obeying, so you obey too. It's a kind of positive peer pressure. Three or four... There's what's called coercive power. You obey because you fear being punished if you don't obey. That's the one we probably know the best. And then finally, reward power. You like being awarded for doing the right thing, so you obey. Well, when I read this list, I can see how many Christians obey God for these reasons. Let me just see if this connects with you. Those who grew up in a Christian home and church obey God. Why? Because it's the norm. Some Christians obey God because they don't want to lose the blessings and the favor of God. Some people simply obey because all the other Christians obey God. You want to fit in. Some obey God because they are terrified of His wrath. And then there are those who obey God because they fully believe that obedience brings blessing. By the way, obedience, and I've preached that, but sometimes it doesn't bring blessing. Sometimes you do the right thing, and you will pay for it. Persecution. Lose your job. Lose a friend. And so people obey because they they want God to keep rewarding them. There may be nuggets of truth in all of those. But Jesus gives the real reason you should obey the Lord in John 14, 15. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven words. If you love me, keep my commandments. The only motivation for obeying God is that you love him deeply. You care about God. Do you care about God? Do you value God? Is God important to you? Is he more important to you than anyone or anything else? Do you value him more than anyone or anything else? Do you care about him more than anyone or anything else? Okay. Let me ask you this question. Is is what is important to him equally as important to you? Seven people. Might have been eight. That's the question. Is what is important to him as equally important to you. Because it ought to be. It has to be. Your act of obedience 
Every time you do the right thing, you read something in the Bible, you know you're in a moral crossroads, and you do the right thing. You know what it whispers to God? I love you. I love you. God says, I know you do because you could have done the opposite thing to satisfy yourself, to satisfy your friends, your unsaved friends, to satisfy that boyfriend or girlfriend that you shouldn't be dating because they're not saved. God doesn't believe in evangelism dating. All right, stand with me. We did okay, didn't we? Say them with me. The three things we should do. Praise, worship, obedience. Corey Miller played for the Gamecocks, went on to play NFL for the New York Giants. Through circumstances beyond me, Corey Miller and I became friends. He actually spoke here more than once. One night he was here and uh, he had finished and about five of us sat around in the Mac just talking and fellowshipping and just having a big time, talking about the Lord. He looked at me and said, Pastor, he said, have you ever seen a bunch of football players, both teams now, meet in the middle of the field after a game and get on their knees and have prayer? I said, yeah, I've seen that. He said, have you ever seen an NFL player score a touchdown and drop to his knees and point up to heaven? I said, yeah, I see that a lot. He said, let me tell you something. I didn't know one born-again believer in the NFL when I played football. Not one. He said, it showed. He said, they do it for all kinds of reasons, but he said, you get them off of that field and you watch their life. And he said, they're not living for Jesus. He said, I was one of them. Corey Miller and I talked about that sitting in the Mac that night, that what matters more than anything is that as you live your life day in, day out, that you just don't praise him in church on Sunday and worship him on Sunday, but that the rest of the week, every chance you get, you do the right thing, you do the God thing, and you let the chips fall. And that's how you say to God, I love you. You don't want to tell him you love him on Sunday morning. And by Tuesday night, you've said and done things in disobedience to the Lord. You're not going to fool him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you search your heart? This is one of those good messages that encourages us. We've laughed a lot. I've tried to put some humor in here. Not to be silly. I don't like silliness. I don't like goofiness, not especially in the pulpit. Sometimes humor helps us in our understanding of deeper truths. But will you just search your heart, your spirit, and say, God, am I really praising you? Have I done a good job at worshiping you? Have I 
if I transition from the I am and the he is to making it personal, Lord, you are. And am I obeying? Have I compartmentalized my life where I've got a Sunday morning me and then I've got a work week me and then I've got a Friday night out on the town me? I've got a Facebook me that's different from the Sunday morning me? I know I'm all up in your grill right now. But this is serious. so now would you all across this church begin praying without any prompting or the traditional things we always say and do just I'm just asking you right now start praying all over this church and if you need to ask the Lord to help you to be a better praiser to be a better worshiper to be obedient if there's inconsistencies and if there's not then praise him that's what I want to tell you to do then worship him If there are no inconsistencies, then just reaffirm your commitment, your love to Him, that you're going to serve Him. You want to keep on doing what's right because you love Him so much. We love Him because He first loved us. Now I'm going to join you. Father, I love you and praise you this morning. And thank you. And glorify you and exalt you. I thank you for your spirit. I feel your anointing in this house. I feel your presence. I know you're working in our midst. And I bless your name. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for giving your life so that I could be saved. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for the blood that was shed. For by the shedding of blood, your blood is the forgiveness of my sins. I worship you. I lift you up higher than anyone or anything else. I love you and value you, O God. You mean more to me than anyone or anything. I bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, praise Him in this house, would you? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.